0: Blessing to have Poon out here. Uh, it's all the blessing to see you once again and praise God for that special music. I've been blessed so far. How about you? Have you been blessed? Amen. What do you say? Amen. Amen. This morning, I invite you to turn to me to Judges chapter 13, verse 1. Judges chapter 13, verse 1 in your Bibles as we go through our study this morning. Judges chapter 13, verse 1. And the sermon entitled this morning is What Are You Doing in Gaza? What are you doing in Gaza? Judges chapter 13, verse 1 in your Bibles. This morning, I would like to share with you a story, a story about a warrior. He was definitely the most strongest and fearless warrior that has ever lived and walked this planet. A man whom the people looked upon as their hero. A man whom the people hoped would save them from their enemies. A man whom God had called at that time to deliver Israel. A man who realized the hard way that the battle was real. I want to take you back to the days of Samson. So this morning as we open the word, may God help us to see what he wants us to learn for our lives. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the word. We pray, Father, this morning that it may come alive to us, We may see the lesson you want us to learn. Help us in Jesus' name, amen. In Judges chapter 13, verse 1, the question is, what was the condition of Israel in this time? Let's see what the Bible has to say. The Bible says, and the children of Israel did good. Is that what it says? They did evil again in the sight of the Lord. The Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. So here was a time where God's people at this time, the the church of Israel, God's church at Israel at that time was doing evil. A time of injustice and sin that was throughout the land. A time where people no longer followed the Lord. Here was a time when God's own people rejected him and united with the sinful worldly ways of all the other nations surrounding them. Here was a time of turmoil. And the problem was that Israel forgot that the battle was real. And brothers and sisters this morning, we are in a war. And a battle is real this morning. What do you say? The combat is life-threatening, for we are fighting against the word of God says, against principalities, against spiritual wickedness in high places, against the rulers of the darkness of the world. We're fighting for eternal life and eternal death. And where are you this morning? Do you realize that the battle is real this morning, beloved? Amen? Do you not see what is happening this week, and a turmoil in Japan, and a tsunami in the earthquake? Did you know that the planet, This says after this, the planet... Swiss off his axis ten inches. Do you see that? The world, the earth is growing old like an old garment. The Bible says, right? Romans says that the earth is suffering in pain and groaning to be made new, to be born, rede- to be redeemed, to be made new again. And so does this world, right, beloved? Amen. In other words, the earth is not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And the last days, as I said in Matthew 24, more earthquakes, right? You know, growing up in Hawaii, I only remember one time, one time in Hilo, growing up in Hilo, where we actually were, had to evacuate Hilo from a tsunami. Maybe I'm not as old as some of you. Some of you, there's more in the past, right? But I only remember one time. Do you know in the last one year, we had two evacuations in one year? Three times in my life, and two of them in the last year in Hawaii. Is not this earth growing old like an old garment? Is not things getting worse and worse? Is not tsunamis getting more and earthquakes getting greater and more frequent? We definitely are living in a time where time is running short. And, beloved, it's time to wake up. We need to wake up, folks, and begin to get ready for the last final conflict that's soon to break upon this world, beloved. What do you say? Turn me to Judges chapter 13, verse 5. In the midst of this darkness, what did God do? Look at Judges chapter 13, verse 5. In the midst of this evil of God's church, the Jewish church at that time, the Bible says, for lo, God's saying, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, And he would begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the what? Philistines. So out of the word of God, God said, I'm going to raise a deliverer. I'm going to raise up a man. I'm going to raise up this man to deliver God's people out of the slavery of being slaves to the Philistines. I'm going to raise up a person because our church is in turmoil. And I'm going to raise up somebody to deliver my people. My church is in oppression. My church is falling into sin. They're doing evil again in the eyes of God again. The people are not being faithful to his word, to my word. And I need to raise up a deliverer, and his name shall be called Samson. You see, God had great plans for Israel. He had plans for them to be a prosperous nation. He had great plans for them to be the head and not the tail he had plans for this nation to lead a people out of darkness and into light. And he had great plans, but his great plans somehow had become unfulfilled. And he's seen that his, this beloved Jewish church, his church had rebelled against him, had broken his heart, had hurt him because they become disobedient to what he wanted them to do. And God raised up a man called Samson. God also not only had great plans for his church, the Jewish church, but he also had great plans for Samson, we found. Like he was a Nazarite. He was not supposed, was supposed to take a Nazarite bow. Away. He was not supposed to cut his hair. He was not supposed to take any strong drink or anything. He was to be faithful. Nazarite means in Hebrew to be separate or consecrated. God had great plans for this warrior to be used to free his people. It was through him that God wanted to release his people from bondage. God had great hope for this man, Samson. And, beloved, I want to share with you this morning, I believe that God has blessed his church tremendously, for we are the spiritual Israel today, and I believe that the Lord has great hope for our church. But, beloved, God also wants us to be faithful as a church to him this morning, beloved. Amen? Beloved, individually, We are to be used by God for his work also. In a time where the world is so dark with evil, in a time where there's so much pain and suffering in this world, in a time where people are calling out for some answers in this world, God is looking for people to raise them, and God also has great plans for you and me this morning, beloved. What do you say? He has great plans for you. He has called you by name when you were still in the womb. He knew you by name. He has a calling for you. He knew your name, Keala. He knew your name, Robert. He knew your name and he called you by name. And he has a purpose for you in your life. And he planned your life ahead. He knew the calling that he wanted you to have. Whether you realize it or not, he knew that calling. And while you were still being formed in the womb of your mother, he called you out. And he wanted you to be separate like a Nazarite. And he called you the peculiar people, a peculiar people, a nation to be called out in, this, in these last days to fulfill the ministry and calling that God has called you to. He has given you a calling, a ministry that he wants to discover and not to be neglected. For he has raised up Samson's in this world, and he called up you this morning. I want to know what his will is for my life. I want to know what he called me to do when I was still in my mom's womb. I want to know and discover every single possibility that God has called me to, to realize and experience it, because God needs Samson today. What he you say, beloved? And he's called you, beloved, and he wants you to realize what he's called you to do. He's called you to raise you up in these days as a movement. Because God needs a people as a movement. Will you be that Samson this morning, beloved? What do you say? Do you have the courage to believe that, uh, beloved, this morning? Do you want to be that? Do you want to recognize the ministry and obey what God is saying to you through his word? God has great plans for you. He wants you to be a Samson this morning. But what happened to Samson next? Turn to Judges chapter 14. Let's see what the Word of God says. Judges chapter 14, verse 1 to 3. Notice what happened with Samson. God had great plans for this man. A strong warrior, the Spirit of the Lord moved upon him. He was able to pull off a gate from a large city, put it on his back, and carry that gate out into the country and throw it off. That's how strong this man was. Though he was strong physically, notice he became weak. Spiritually. The Bible says in 14 verse 1, Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, who's the Philistines? Is that God's, God's people's best friends? Is that what it is? They were their what? Enemies. So now he sees, now God raises man up to deliver them from the Philistines, but now he goes on over to his very enemies. The Bible says he saw a woman there and he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Tinath of the daughters of the Philistines, of the enemies. Now, therefore, get her for me to be my wife. He wanted to marry her, his enemies. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there, never, is there not a woman among the daughters of your brethren, or among all your people, and you go to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. He was a man who had, God had great plans for him to deliver from the enemies who betrayed not only his people, but betrayed God himself and was, went over to the enemy to marry, to be unequally yoked. And his parents knew that we are not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers who don't believe the love of God, beloved, right? What do you say, amen? amen. And he went out and he went on. And how many young people today go out and they flirt with the devil in the world and they have relationship with those within the world and they go and live in worldly pleasure and sin and they ruin the life that God has given them who have called them from their birth to live for the pleasures of the devil, to throw away the ministry and calling that God has called them to be. Do you not know some of them, beloved? And people will... Light has no place with darkness. And light marrying darkness creates only darkness. And these young people have left the church, as I've seen. Many of them are my close friends this morning. What a hard life Samson learned. He married this woman, you know the story. He married this woman... And then this woman ended up betraying him. You ever been betrayed by someone before? He was so hurt, devastated, he moved back home with his mom and dad and he's to recuperate from the pain and suffering of a broken heart. And as he was there, he finally got the strength to go back and reclaim his wife. So he went to his in-laws, knocked on the door and he found out that his father-in-law had given his wife a remarriage to his best friend. And after he seen that, he was so upset he went out and he destroyed the enemies and killed a whole bunch of, murdered a whole bunch of phil- Philistines again. And then they were so upset that they ended up killing his wife and his father-in-law. Samson had a hard life. It didn't stop there. He went on to sin and more sin and even more. It's time we on. Then one day, the Philistines came to Israel, his own people, and asked them to deliver Samson into their hands to tie him up. So his own people went to Samson, asked him if they could tie him up and deliver to, it, to the Philistines, their enemy, and he agreed. So they tied up his. He was betrayed by his own people, beloved. Taken into the enemy's hands. How do you feel? You're betrayed by your wife. They murder your, your in laws and your your wife and your father-in-law, and then they'd be your own people who you're trying to be helping out and saving, delivering to the hands of the enemy. Jesus felt that on the cross. Samson felt a little bit of the hardships and trials. What a hard life that Samson lived. As you read this story, there's something else that happened, and I want you to turn to me there to Judges chapter 16, verse 20. He met a woman finally called... Samson and who? Delilah. Judges 16, verse 20 in your Bible. And she betrayed him also. She found the secret of his power was in his what? Was in his hair. She finally tricked him over and over again. He finally told her the answer, and she cut off his hair, which gave him the power. Judges 16, verse 20. The Bible says here, she said, finally she said, and the Philistines were waiting upon them. She said, "Philistines, be upon you, Samson." He woke out of his sleep and said, "I'm going to go out these other times, and I'm going to shake myself, and I'm going to take care of these Philistines." And it says, "And he did not know that the Lord was what departed, departed from him. In other words, he had lived a life in darkness. He had chosen his feelings over the Word of God over." And over and over again, he came to a point in his life that after darkness and choosing darkness and choosing darkness, he came to the point that I'm going to go out and being, he had supernatural power. He could kill and destroy anyone he wanted. He said, I'm going to go out and break the chains that I have on top of my hand. I'm going to go out and, and deal with these Philistines." And it finally came to a point, the Bible says, that he did not know that the power of God, the spirit of God, I departed from him. And my question this morning is this. Do we realize the danger it is to continue to choose darkness? Do we realize that God will never leave us nor forsake us? Beloved, Amen to that, amen? But we can forsake God, can we not? Can we not choose evil and wickedness and sin over and compromise and rationalize in the mind that what we're doing is okay, even though we've heard it and we weren't knowing the Word of God that it is not okay to do these things, especially in the time that we're living in. Why? Because there is a God who loves us so much and He wants us to see this love and He wants us to be obedient because we love Him and we want to please such a wonderful and loving God, beloved. Amen? I want to please Him with all of my heart. How about you? And here was Samson, and he he saw that he had lost his power. And they were told that they took Samson and they binded him up. I mean, before he used to break rope like it was thread. But he's not anymore. He was bounded up and not he realized his life that he could have been used by God. Can you imagine that? Looking at your life and you're older and your age, and you're aging, looking back in your life and goes, What did I do for God? I could have done so much more. If I had just chosen and been obedient to what God has called me, to, my life could have been so much more, but I've chosen the wrong path. And he looked back in his life, he goes, I wish i have done more, and I wish that i have been used by God more. But I give one thing to Samson. You know what he did? He went back, and at the end of his life, he said, Lord, just give me one more chance. I just want one more chance in life. You ever been there before? God hasn't really used me at all. I haven't been used by God in a mighty way. I've just been sitting here in a pew all the time. I haven't really done anything for ministry or my calling. I haven't really done anything. But God, I came to the realization that I need to do something for you because I love you so much. And God, I'm looking back and just give me one more chance. Just give me one more shot. I want to do great and mighty things for you. I want to deliver God's church out of the darkness that they're in, beloved, because our church is in darkness, beloved. Amen? And we need deliverance, and God needs Samson's here this morning, and he's calling upon you this morning. what did he say? And you know the story? God gave him that power once again, again as his hair grew long. He put his hands between the pillars, and God used him to deliver it. Israel, the hands of his enemies, that day. But I want us to go back to what happened in Judges sixteen, verse one. Turn to Judges chapter sixteen, verse one. What really was it that pulled Samson down? After Samson's whole marriage fiasco, what did he then do? Judges sixteen, verse one. Knows the Bible says here. This is the foundation of the sermon. Then went Samson to what? Gaza. Gaza. And at Gaza, and saw there a what? Harlot. Harlot, prostitute, and went in unto her. Samson went to Gaza. Samson went to that wicked city and looked for a prostitute and slept with her. Do you see how low Samson had fallen? It had started out small, but now he was sleeping with a prostitute. You see, beloved, Gaza represents sin. Not only prostitution, but sin. Whatever sin. Gaza represents sin. And Samson was in sin. In other words, Samson was in Gaza. Gaza. He didn't have to go there, but against the counsels of God, against the counsels of his family, he still went there. He should have never went to Gaza, for Samson had no reason being in Gaza. And I had been to Gaza. Against the counsels given to me, I still went. But let me share with you that there is nothing there but pain and sorrow. It's attractive covering allured me there. But I found out that it was Satan under a deceptive covering that deceived me. But I thank God through his unconditional love this morning and mercy that he woke me up one morning, asking me the question, what are you doing in Gaza? Beloved, how it is it with you this morning? Have you gone down to Gaza? If you have, what are you doing in Gaza against the counsels of your family, against the counsels of your friends, against the counsels of God himself? You have still don't, gone down to Gaza. Beloved, what are you doing in Gaza? Maybe you left the Lord, and you've been living your life without him and his protection from Satan. Don't you know that the only thing that is protecting you is something called grace? What are you doing in Gaza? Maybe you're on the verge of tasting the excitement of the world and of sin this morning. What are you doing in Gaza? You have no business being in Gaza this morning. What are you doing in Gaza? Maybe you're involved with friends who want nothing to do with God this morning. You're unequally yoking them in a relationship and doing whatever they want and compromising your principles and rationalizing your mind that it's okay. What are you doing in Gaza? Maybe you played with sin so long, and just like Samson, the Lord has departed from you and you don't even know it. What are you doing in Gaza this morning? There is nothing there in Gaza. There's nothing there that can fill the emptiness that you feel inside. There's nothing that can comfort your loneliness. There's nothing there that can satisfy your soul here this morning. Only Jesus can fill the emptiness that you feel inside, beloved. Only Jesus can comfort the loneliness of your heart. Only Jesus can satisfy the deep longings of your soul. Beloved, what are you doing in Gaza? Christ was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and with his wounds. We are healed. Christ, the innocent, suffered a penalty for the guilty. While we, the guilty, receive the reward of the righteous this morning. What an exchange, beloved. Amen? What a beautiful exchange that Christ suffered for us so that we can have the peace and love that he has in his life. What are we doing in Gaza this morning? I want to share you a quotation here. It's a beautiful quotation you hand out in your program this morning, in your bulletin. And it says here, inspiration, those who in everything make God, what is it? First and what? Last and what? Are the most miserable people in the world. Is that what it says? What does it say? Happiest people in the whole wide world. Amen. Smiles and sunshine are not banished from the continent. In other words, when you have God in your life, which is love, right? God is love. When you have God, which is, when you have love in your life, which is God, because God is love. When you have the fullness of God in your life, you will not seek after Gaza. Because Gaza will have no attraction for you. But when you have the love of God in your soul and my soul in your hearts this morning, you would want to please the one who is love, who loves you so much, who loves you like no one else had loved you before. And you would want to be faithful to the one whom you love, right? Is that not true? And so God has called us out of Gaza to experience the love of Jesus Christ. And when you have God in your life, you are the most happiest people. Or we should be the most happiest people in the whole wide world. What do he say? We should be joyful and happy and full of God's love, and it transformed us, and friendly, and kind, and loving, and gentle, just like Jesus Christ, beloved. Amen? Amen. That's what God wants us this morning. Brothers and sisters, it isn't Gaza that we need. What we need is the love of Christ overflowing in our empty and barren souls this morning. Beloved, the battle is real. And wherever your life may be this morning, there is still hope for you. As long as there is a God, it is never too late in your life. For God is saying to you, I know you have fallen. I know you have compromised, but I want to take your life, and I want to restore you, and I want to bring you to the ministry that God has called you to this morning. So why do not you come to me, he's saying. The battle is real. And even though you may be losing all your battles, there is still hope. But God has still great plans for you and me this morning. My special plea this morning is to the young people this morning. God is calling upon you. God has great plans for young people, I believe, here this morning, especially. For it's a childlike faith that is necessary to finish the work that God has called us to. It was an army of young people that raised up this movement. Ellen White, our prophet, was only 17 years old when she first had her first vision. Uriah Smith was only 17. James White also was 21 when he left teaching Stephen Haskell was 19 when he saw the light. Jane Andrews was 14 when he was preaching in messes and was chased by a mob. Beloved, this movement was raised up by our young people. And as I believe it's going to be finished by young people because they don't know what it is to fail, right, beloved? They have no fear for the future. They're going to try and risk everything for God. And that's the childlike spirit that Jesus talked about that I need and you need in our lives this morning. What do you say? God is looking for young men and young women today who are willing to risk it all for him. Not a little bit, not most of your life, but he wants 100% of your life so God can use you in a mighty way. I remember when I used to make excuses for God and said, why I don't want to serve him. I used to say, but Lord, it would be too much a sacrifice for me to give my all to serve you all of my life. And then I saw Jesus hanging there on the cross being the ultimate sacrifice for me. I remember saying, oh Lord, if I give this up, then I'm going to, my whole family is going to think I'm crazy if I become a Christian and I serve him all the way. Then I remember Jesus on the cross and his own family rejecting him. They say, well, if I obey God and I know, and I become obedient to his word, then I know that My friends are going to reject me and leave me. Then I saw Jesus up on the cross. His own friends rejected him when he needed them most. Folks, this call is not only for the young people, it's for everyone. We are all soldiers in God's army. Everyone is called. And all of the times we are living in history that we're living, it is now that we need to stand most boldly for Jesus Christ. What do you say? Again, it's time when the children of Israel, God's church, God's people, are doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Forget the enemies and everyone else out there. God's own people are doing evil and wickedness in God's, God's eyes, once again, including us, beloved. And a quote that best sums up all times is found in your handout. Let me share this quotation. I thought it was pretty powerful. And it says here, When the religion of Christ is most held in contempt, When his law is most despised, then should our zeal be the warmest and our courage and firmness the most unflinching. To stand in defense of truth and righteousness when the majority forsake us. To fight the battles of the Lord when champions are few. This will be our test. And listen to this part. At this time, we must gather warmth From the coldness of others, courage from their cowardice, and loyalty from their treason. Beloved, it is a time today that we must gather warmth from the coldness of others in the church. We must gather courage from their cowardice, and we must gather loyalty from the treason of church members, beloved. God wants people who will be faithful in His last days. He wants a a generation to rise up. He wants Samson this morning to rise up. God is looking for men and women. God was just looking for a man. He was raising up this one person in Israel. He wanted to raise up Samson to fulfill the the dreams he had for Israel. Samson broke God's heart. My question is this morning, are you breaking God's heart this morning? He loved you so much. He gave his only son for you on the cross. God died for you. The creator f- died for the created. And he asked him this morning, will you be a Samson? All it would take was this one man. And at the end, he said, Lord, this one more chance. Just give me one more chance. I failed you over and over again. And God And the Holy Spirit even left Samson. He had left his life, and he didn't know it. And God, out of his infinite mercy, said, I'm going to give you one more chance. You know why? Because our God is a merciful God. What do you say? He's never given up on me in my life. I praise God for that over and over and over again. And he hasn't given up on you. He loves you so much. And that love should draw you to him. And he's saying to you this morning, I love you so much. I have plans for you. And with these plans, it's going to satisfy the longings of your soul to be used by me and to fulfill the plans and purpose I have for your life. And God's God's saying, my church needs you this morning. The world needs you this morning. People are suffering out there. They need you. And God's calling you this morning. He's speaking straight to your heart. And what are you feeling in your heart right now? It's not Pastor Keal, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you directly. You must understand the working of the Holy Spirit in your heart. You feel convicted right now, that's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning, I want to use you. I want you to be faithful. I want to use you as a Samson as God's people are doing evil once again. I want to use you to reach your family, your friends, to share the love and the good news of a God who loves them in spite of what they've done. What do you say, amen? Amen. And this love will transform them and change them. And he's going to use you, and he's going to use you as a Samson to save spiritual Israel once again. Folks, the battle is real. God is calling upon you this morning. Isn't it about time that you put on the armor of Christ and engage the battle? So what is so late in the battle? So what you wasted your years of in your life for selfish purposes? So what? That's the past. Why not make a new beginning today? What do you say? I want to engage in this battle. How about you? This morning. before we sing the closing song. Before we even stand for our closing song, which is our song in 618, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Before we stand to sing Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, I want to make an appeal to you. God needs you this morning. Now, If we don't do the work, we're told that the stone's going to cry out. In that sense, God doesn't need us. But he needs us because he needs you, because he longs for that full cooperation of your love for him as he loves you. He needs you in his church because God needs deliverers in God's church today. He needs you because there needs to be people within his church to raise up a revival and a reformation that we need, that we haven't seen since apostolic days. The battle is real. If we were eyes were open, we would see the battles going on above us between the angels that are good and evil as real as the battles that happen on the battlefields of this earth. And God needs you this morning. He's calling upon you. And so I make appeal to you. Will you be that, Samson? Won't you be that for Jesus? How much do you love him? If that's your desire this morning, maybe there's someone, if there's just one person, when you stand where you are. Just one person, not everyone, but if God has convicted you, the Holy Spirit in your heart, and you want to stand, stand at this time. Does anybody out there say, I want to stand for you? Stand. Praise God. Amen. No pressure, no external pressures. This in your heart, inside. The love for Jesus. No external motivations of guilt, but internal motivation of love. Only love this morning for Jesus. I see your hand, sister. Praise God. With such an army of spiritual young people, how soon Jesus will come. Amen? I want him to come, first of all, in my heart, and then to all those whom I love around us. Let's go and save those who need to know about God's love this morning. Please stand, everyone, together, we sing together, our song, 618, 618, I'm going to play, 618, stand up, stand up, for Jesus this morning, 618. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead. Till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord in. Stand up for Jesus, and up stand up for Jesus. The trumpet call over. Be that or his Be that the Gospel armor, put on the gospel armor, and watching him to pray. Where duty calls your danger, we never want to stand up, stand up for Jesus. Cometh to him that overcometh the crown of life shall be he with the king of glory shall reign eternally. Father, this morning, we are so grateful for you, Jesus, standing up for us. And Lord, because you stood up for us, we wanna stand for you. In this day of suffering and pain and wickedness and evil, we pray, Lord, that we will be the lights of love that this hungry world needs. Use us. May we be the Samson you called us to be. Bless the commitments of those who stood who are not afraid to stand for you here. May you he give them the strength to stand everywhere else. Lord, this is the prayer of your people here at Honaka. In Jesus' name. Amen.